On January 6, 2021, we watched a crowd of people storm the USA Capitol building in attempt to overthrow the 2020 USA presidential elections. At least I think that's what they were trying to do. They really made no sense at all to me, but they did take over the Capitol building and rioted. And I'm sure none of us in the United States have ever experienced anything like this before in our lifetimes. After the event, 10 USA Republican Congress members voted to impeach President Trump for inciting the riot, which we all watched on television. This really caught my attention. For everyone heard the television statements of Mr. Trump as he spoke before the riot, and he told the crowd they would have to fight, I believe he used the word, and he told them, go, and he said he would be with them. But he wasn't. They did go. They went, as we all know. A few days later, CNN reported that the Republicans were trying to cause those 10 who voted against Trump to suffer loss for the way they voted. I was very sad and grieved over this. I've never been involved in politics. I'm not a registered voter for either party. I've always thought it was pretty questionable, politics itself. I came to know more about it as a result of this riot and my interest in what was going on. All of a sudden, I became worried. I became concerned. I really, for a very brief time, became just a little depressed and fearful. And I knew what it was to care. To care. I knew what it was to care for the first time in my life. Because here these people did what I think they did, what they thought was right. And their own party went after them to try to do them harm. It was reported in Wyoming that there was a big backlash against that Republican congresswoman. I know what it is to do what God shows you to do and have people attack you. I've had a lot of that in my life. But I thought about these people. Here they're doing what they thought was right. When you do what you think is right, be sure you're laying down your life for God. For that really matters. But to lay down your life for men can be a tremendous depression, backlash and depression. If I lay down my life, I want it to be because God told me to do something. Here we have the rioters who had Trump telling them We had the Congress people who had the Republican Party telling them, at least they were telling them what not to do, 
But in each case, it was human beings telling them to lay down their life and their own ideas of laying down their life. The only time, really, to lay down your life is because God has led you to do something. And we've all seen John the Baptist beheaded in the Bible because he took a stand against adultery. Well, you take a stand against adultery, they get really upset in churches. Pam Paget did that as a young Christian. She had been raised Catholic, and then she was born again, and she began going to a non-denominational church. She lived in Oklahoma at that time. A woman in the singles class was twice divorced, but she, and at first Pam said she seemed content with her life. She had a young daughter, but then she began to look for a husband in the singles class at the church. That's not unusual. That's very more typical what happens. Pam went to her and told her that according to the Bible, if she remarried, she would commit adultery, having a husband who was still living, actually two husbands who were still living in her, her case. Pam went also, oh, by the way, the woman said to Pam, I don't care what the Bible says. Pam was shocked. Here's a person in church who doesn't care what the Bible says. So Pam went to the man that she was going to marry, and Pam said if he married a divorced woman, according to the Bible, Matthew 5.32, he would commit adultery. And he said, well, he would think about it. But they went straight forward with the plans for the wedding. Pam went to the maid of honor and told her that this wedding, if it took place, would be adultery. And the maid of honor said, yes, I know, but they'll do it anyway, regardless of what I decide. When Pam told me that story, I thought of that scripture which said, Neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Pam truly laid down her life for the gospel in order to try to save these people at church from committing adultery. She laid down her life. The rioters laid down their life for governments of men, for President Trump. And some of them are in jail even as I'm recording this. Some of them have to be saying, well, why am I in jail if President Trump isn't? Someone's got to think that, surely. And some of them are probably bitter over what happened. That would be normal. Even when you lay down your life for the gospel, as if you're a young Christian, you could be bitter. I think if you know more about God later on, you wouldn't be. But this sin really does hurt us. 
Jesus said in the last days, because iniquity abounded in the last days, the love of many would wax cold. And when iniquity and something that seems unfair to us and wrongdoing, when it abounds, it's very hard to take it. I think it's very hard when you see someone at church sinning. I think it's very difficult. And it can sweep you away if you fail to turn to God and you must give time for God to put your pieces back together. It's sort of like you were Humpty Dumpty sitting on the wall and took a great fall and all the pieces were broken and they have to be kind of set back together in your life and you have to be restored by God. I went through that with this riot. I really cared what happened to these 10 Republican congressmen and women. I really cared about them. And when they suffered for doing what they thought was right, when they suffered from their own political party, I grieved about this. This this was very hard for me to see. And for the first time in my life, I felt the entire democracy of the United States was in danger. And then I'm sure the devil brought some other thoughts to me like it was going to all be swept away right in front of my eyes. But then I turned on the television and I saw something about the Civil War. It couldn't have been worse than it was after the Reconstruction of the South during that period of time after the Civil War. For a nation to survive during that, I thought, was incredible. I know there's a lot of bitterness still about the Civil War, but for it to still function as a government is truly remarkable after what happened in the Civil War. So I felt a little hope from that. But then God really got my attention about this subject. I read a scripture. It's in Luke 21, Verse 34, Jesus says concerning the end times, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, which is overindulgent, and drunkenness, and cares of this life. And then I saw what I had done. I had fallen into the trap of being concerned over cares of this life. What's so amazing is I'm not even political, and I fell into this trap. Lest your hearts be overcharged because of the cares of this life. I I repented, of course, and asked God to forgive me for taking on the cares of this life. And I asked him to help those 10 Republican congressmen and women. I asked him to help them with the pain and the hurt and the anger and the backlash and what they were going through. 
and I was restored. And God gave me other scriptures to restore me. This heaven and earth are going to be destroyed by God. You can sit and worry about your children, or you can worry about the government, or you can worry about what you see around you, and you can be destroyed with them. It will not save your children for you to sit and worry about them. On the contrary, you will go down with them. You will do no good for them by being worried about them. You have to turn to God so strongly that he would restore you, give you back joy in spite of the situation. And very often when you do that, you will save those around you. I've had that happen many times. But if you go into grief and sorrow and mourning, all you will do is be destroyed with the various sins that you see around you. At the same time this was all happening, I had sent a, an email to a friend of mine. And I was really surprised, but he called me. I had inquired about his son and just simply said, tell young Tom hello for, for me. That's all I said at the end of my email. I was just chatting with him, bringing him up to date on how we were doing and what we were doing. He lives in Texas where I used to live. And he was my contractor when I built the last house I built. And he has helped me quite a bit in, in ways um, dealing with uh, physical things such as moving. He helped me move to Colorado. But he's a really helpful person. And I have kept in touch with him. So I sent him a friendly email, brought him up to date. And at the end of my email, I simply said, tell young Tom I said hello. Well, it somehow provoked him to call me. And we talked for 10 minutes, maybe. He said he was so glad I was living with Pam. He's met her. He's been up here. And he was so glad I was living with Pam. And I said, well, the best thing about Pam is she's so godly. She, she prays over problems, and she doesn't trouble me. She doesn't bring the problem to me. She takes it to God. She turns to God in prayer. And she waits until God leads her on what to do. Then she does it. And then, after it's all over, often she will tell me that there was a problem. And she turned to God and what he told her. And we delight in God. But that's the way she does. And so it's really remarkable. Very few people that I've ever met do this. Most of them turn to other people with their problems. One time a young man came to visit me. He was from another part of the state. And he's a, a church guy. And he came to visit me. And he said, oh, it's so nice to be 
in the room with a godly woman. It's just so nice to be with a godly woman. And he said, it must be nice for you, too, because you can tell your troubles to me. And I said, but I don't do that. I don't tell my troubles to other humans. And he said, you don't? And I said, he said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I turn to God and talk to him about my troubles. He said, oh, very, very few church people turn to God with their troubles. But that's the way he taught me to do it, and that's what Pam does. And that's one reason it works so well to share a house with Pam. Well, Tom, my contractor, when I told him that, I realized Tom had just told all his troubles to me. And he's probably realized that's what he did. And I was a little burdened. I was concerned about his son. I was concerned about the way of life that was going on. I was concerned about his daughter. I was a little concerned after I talked to Tom. Well, when God showed me I'd fallen into this political trap where I was concerned about these congressmen and women, and I prayed over the congressmen and women, of course, I prayed over Tom. All you have to do is ask God to help the other person. It can be a worldly person that you're asking God to help. If you have a deep feeling in your heart about these people, pray. Don't, don't carry their burden. What happens is they do cast their cares on you, telling you their troubles. But you don't have to keep their cares in your heart. You can turn to God in prayer and ask him to help them. Casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. Well, that's what I did, finally. <laughs> I think I went through about a day or two of being concerned about those Republican Congress people. But I was completely restored just as soon as I asked God to help them and to help my contractor. I was completely free again and restored. This is how we fall into the traps, the cares of this world. And somehow it doesn't occur to us to pray over those situations. We're just kind of walking around the house thinking about them. Well, Jesus says, take heed to yourself. See, if you can keep yourself upright, I pretty much think everything around you will come in place one way or another. You might have to separate for a period of time from someone. I've certainly had to do that. But I've seen so much salvation as I've gone along. And it's been pretty much just a result of, I hate to say this, my choices because I've chosen not to be around certain people or I've chosen to speak the truth. And those times I've spoken it so often, the person, like my mother, 
said, well, I guess we better not do that anymore after I read the Bible to her concerning what she was doing. She made a choice for the Bible and gave up her way and was born again. You won't help them by grieving over them. You won't help them by becoming depressed. You'll only destroy yourself. Once I even said to my mother, you can go down, but I'm not going to go with you. And she kind of sobered up. She said, oh, I don't want you to go down. We have to do what is right in the sight of God and suffer the persecution that comes as a result of doing what God wants us to do. That's our role on this earth. The apostle Peter said, don't be discouraged by the fiery trial that is to try you. Well, these things happen to you. If you're following God along the way, you're going to suffer persecution from someone who thinks you're wrong in what you're doing as you follow God. Just hold your ground. It may take a decade or two or three, but I think very often you're going to see salvation in your path. Dying for God is worth it. That's the only thing that's worthwhile. Doing what God tells you to do. So my problem was I took on the cares of this world and it almost destroyed me. But then I realized this entire heaven and earth will be destroyed and governments of men along with the heavens and earth and I began to get a grip on myself and on biblical reality when I turned to God and when I saw that scripture and saw what I had done and I repented of course and asked God to forgive me and to restore me and here are the scriptures that he gave me at that time when you turn to God with a problem now he may give you totally different scriptures from these this is just showing how he restored me Second Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. I do live a peaceful life daily, but it's not automatic. 
Problems arise. All types of things happen. It is important to stop and take it to God in prayer. At first, I panic, but then you take it to God in prayer. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 is primarily what I live by. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. Don't just ignore it and say, oh, that's not important when it is. It's important that you carry everything to God in prayer. So when the Apostle Paul said, be careful for nothing, he wasn't telling you to sweep it under the rug, the problem, or ignore the problem. He's telling you, identify the problem, and in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Take everything to God in prayer, and let your requests be made known unto God. Sometimes you simply have a, God, help me, please help me. And sometimes you actually have a request. God, please help those ten Congress men and women. Please help them. Please help my contractor. Please help his adult-aged children. That type of prayer. But to do nothing carries the burden. You will end up carrying the burden and... You'll be destroyed along with them unless you change. Hebrews 11, this is what truly godly people were like in the Bible. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country. Most of my life I have looked upon the United States as if I'm living in a strange country, as Abraham did. The only time I ever remember feeling otherwise was this year on January 6th and the subsequent days after January 6th. I have lived as Abraham, and God restored me to live as Abraham. I was in France in 1980 and sitting on one of their park benches, and people went by and they were talking, and newspapers were there on the newsstands in French, and I don't speak French, and I don't understand French. And I thought that, sat there thinking, this is such a peaceful land. Ooh, it's so peaceful here. Well, I didn't understand the language. And I realized later it was because I didn't understand the language that it seemed peaceful. I was sitting there. I wasn't involved in there uprisings or politics or economy or anything. It was as if I were just an observer. Because, you see, our well-being comes from God. He takes care of us. We are simply here observing. 
but we're trusting not in governments of men or other people. We're trusting in God for our provision. He might use something in governments of men. I have Social Security today and Medicare. But if it were all wiped out, God would see that I was taken care of. And I know that. Do you know that about yourself? One time, several months ago, I was at my house in Texas, and I heard, if need be, I could just plant manna in your backyard to provide for you. I can provide for you. By faith, Abraham sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. When they came to Jesus in Matthew 24, his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. They were so impressed with the buildings of the temple in Jerusalem. And Jesus said to them, The time will come when there will not be one stone left upon another. Don't be impressed with that. And the same thing applies to us. We know in the Great Tribulation, there's a time coming when God is going to cause every mountain to disappear. I live at the foot of the Rocky Mountains right now. It's beautiful. And sometimes, very often, when I leave the house, I say, Oh, I'm so glad to see you're still here. Now, I know if we're on the earth, we will know when this happens because things will make lots of noise. But I say, I'm so glad you're still here. Because in the last plague of the Great Tribulation, the 14th plague, Revelation chapter 16, it says, every island will flee away and the mountains will not be found. They'll be gone. It's unimaginable. But the earth's going to slip on its axis in the solar system. Just after the Great Tribulation, the powers of heaven will be shaken. The sun will go dark in the day. The moon will go dark at night. The stars fall from heaven. The earth slips on its axis. If you want to read about the event, you can look at Isaiah thirteen thirteen. He tells about it. I had a dream about it in 1985 of the earth slipping on its axis and people were terrified. Governments of men were meeting with the um, scientists and religious leaders to try to see what could be done about the problem. Well, nothing could be done about the problem because God is the one that moved the earth and the solar system. God is the one keeping the solar system together right now and keeping the earth exactly in the right, in the position where he created it for the sustaining of human life. The time comes at the end when the judgments of God fall upon the people who have fought God and have gone their own way. The Great Tribulation. In the end, 
Immediately after the Great Tribulation, the powers of heaven will be shaken. The earth will move on its axis, just like in that dream I had. The people were terrified. A news reporter was trying to give a report on television, and he became so frightened, he couldn't even finish his report. He just got up and walked off camera and left the studio because he knew this event was affecting him. When you see these news people on television, they pretend to be sad or they pretend a certain thing, and you know they're just pretending. This event affected him personally, as it did every human on the face of the earth when the powers of heaven are shaken. And when, if you're on the earth, when the sun goes dark in the middle of the day, you can look up then because your redemption draws nigh because Jesus, the next thing that happens is they see Jesus coming in the clouds with great glory. And he sends his angels out to the four corners of the earth to gather the elect. And people will receive their reward for whether they've done good or whether they've done bad. Either way, they are judged by God and rewarded the evil for their doings or they are judged for all eternity or they're judged for the good they've done. And the only good that we do, I'm convinced, is when we're following God and do what he says and he leads us. So by faith, these people lived in the land of promise, Abraham and his children, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, with Isaac and Jacob the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. It's certainly not on this earth. A pastor contacted me once from India. And he said, what is your vision for India? And I said, my vision for India is the same as my vision for the United States. At the end time, the heaven and earth will pass away. It will all be destroyed by God by fire. And that's what will happen to India and the United States. Revelation 21 tells about the new heaven and the new earth. You can read about it. It's totally different from this heaven and this earth. And one of the things so different is we are given new spiritual bodies. We were born earthy. We have the characteristics physically of our earthly parents so often, or maybe grandparents, or some relative. When we are taken into heaven, we're going to have the characteristics of God the Father. God is a spirit. We're going to have spiritual bodies. This means they're not subject to pain or decay or death or sorrow. Revelation 21 and 1 Corinthians 15. Both of them speak of it. Paul speaks of our spiritual body in 1 Corinthians, 
uh, 15 and how we're going to be changed. Blink your eyes for me right now. Just blink. That's how fast we will be changed out of these physical bodies and into our spiritual body. It's it's un- unbelievable. It just I mean it's something that you just are in awe of when you blink your eyes and realize it's that fast. It'll be over. Well, does that put it in perspective? Does that put this life a little bit in perspective? And maybe the concerns you have about people on this earth. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. This is not our kingdom. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. New Jerusalem, new heaven, new earth. This current heaven and earth will pass away. If you want to read about the new city that God has prepared, go to Revelation 21 and just start at verse 1. John got to see the new heaven and the new earth. And he described it for us in Revelation 21. The Apostle Peter tells us in the Bible to be diligent that we would be found by Jesus when he returns, living in peace without spot and blameless. That's um, 2 Peter 3.14. No one knows when Jesus will return. Therefore, you have to be living in peace every day without spot and blameless if you're going to be found by Jesus when he returns to be in peace without spot and blameless. That means we have an an assignment from God to keep ourselves in peace without spot and blameless, and we can only do that through prayer. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, the word, the word that God gives you after you pray. In today's illustration, I had taken on the care of the world and I didn't really realize what had happened to me. It seems clear now, after, after the fact. But when I saw that scripture that said, Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. Take heed. 
Don't let that happen to you. Well, I did let it happen to me. And as soon as I saw that, I knew what I had done. I knew the truth. I turned to God. I repented. I asked him to forgive me. And I asked him to restore me, which he did. See, what it is, is this peace of the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keeps our heart and minds through Christ Jesus, who is the Word. It's the Word given to us by God in the midst of the problem, which keeps us. As soon as I saw what I had done, saw by that scripture what I had done, I was restored. And I'm kept from doing this by Christ Jesus, the word. The word that I've been given by God in the current situation. Closing this podcast on one more scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications and prayers and intercession and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And that's exactly what I found in my concern over these congressmen. Prayers for all that are in authority. God, please help these 10 congressmen who are being persecuted because of their action. And then all the weight lifted from me and all of the concern because I knew God would help them. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.